It's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got an opinion? You can call the show on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Sound off on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Rush is back, final hour. Teddy Lemon here, Parker Thune back in studio. Boy, gearing up for his big trip to Omaha. Early to bed tonight, Parker. Early to bed. Uh, it's going to be a long drive. Um, I'm out here in Newcastle Casino, front row sports bar. Happy hour every day, 3 to 6, 3.50 domestics, $5 wells. Uh, they've got off-track betting, got tons of TVs, really fun atmosphere in there. And uh, we've got great promotions throughout the casino as well. Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107. Uh, 1 o'clock tomorrow, going to be awesome. Um, expect a lot of OU fans to make the trip up there. Um uh, what you say that it holds seventeen thousand? Is that right? No, at uh, Charles Schwab Field. No, it's got a capacity of thirty thousand. So oh, thirty. Okay. Um, I don't know where I conjured the number seventeen thousand uh, from, but wow! Uh, I imagine there's going to be a, a good portion of OU fans up there making the trip. It's not a horrible drive. Not an easy drive, but um, not all that that horrible. So it should be a good crowd up there because. It's also one of those things where there's plenty to do if you want to hang around and go see some stuff as well. Uh, it's not just baseball only. There's plenty of stuff going to be going on downtown, uh, good food, uh, good entertainment. So uh, should be a, a really nice crew make it up there. At least I hope so. hope so. I wish I was one of them. Uh, but I've got a baseball tournament of my own to attend this weekend. Oh, really? The stakes are not as high over at uh, Buck Thomas Park in Moore for the uh, coach pitch tournament this weekend, but nonetheless, uh, we're going to lay it all on the line. Ah, coach pitch. Those were the good old days, man. You knew yeah. You knew where every pitch was going to be, right in the wheelhouse. Ah, yep. t- to be seven again. I know it. I know it. Uh, uh, I used to ring my dad up all the time. Uh, he was the pitcher and coach pitch. Uh-huh. And used to uh, used to serve up meatballs, man. It was awesome. The good old days. Uh, going back to the conversation we were having at the end of the last hour about wide receivers, one of our listeners hit the text line to say, to further Teddy's point, there have been some extreme boneheads that have excelled in the NFL at wide receiver. <laughs> that is very true. Man, I, the one that comes to mind most immediately is Justin Blackman. And I – Yeah. It sucks – that his career took the unfortunate turn that it did. I mean, he has no one to blame but himself. But still, for a while there, there was arguably no more dominant player in college football in that era than Justin Blackman. And he was a superstar at the NFL level for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Instant contributor. I believe he led the NFL in receiving his second year in the league. I could be wrong on that, but... Wow. Putting up immensely productive numbers, and then it all comes crashing down. He still hasn't played in the NFL since and probably won't. So, but yeah, that, that is true. If there is a position where extreme boneheads, to use that texture's lingo, can excel historically, 
it has been wide receiver. Now, as far as Omaha is concerned, for those of you making the trek up there, uh, we did give away a couple tickets earlier in the show. Congrats to Jesse, who was the winner of the trivia contest on the Air Comfort Solutions text line and will be receiving two box seats uh, to watch Oklahoma square off with Texas A&M tomorrow. Uh, regardless of whether you are attending the game or not, if you will be in Omaha, swing by the session room tomorrow. It is on 10th Street, one block west of Charles Schwab Field. Myself and Travis Davidson will be have we will be doing your Friday rush live from the session room, two to six. We're gonna give away T-shirts. We're gonna hang out. Gonna talk sooner baseball. Gonna talk sooner football. I imagine our commentary will be interspersed with some, hopefully, what you would hope are cheers in favor of OU rather than in favor of Texas A&M from just across the way at Charles Schwab Field. So that is the place to be tomorrow. Omaha, Nebraska, if you're not at Charles Schwab Field, head to the session room. And if you are at Charles Schwab Field, head on over once the game concludes because we will be on the air until 6 p.m. with your Friday rush. Going to be awesome. Going to be a lot of fun. Um, uh, how big of a – let's talk about receiver, though, a little bit more in depth. Okay. Jaden Gibson, um, Nick Anderson. Um, there's going to be more height in that group than Oklahoma's ever had. <laughs> it's probably true. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't think of a time where there's been that many guys that are that are that height. But and maybe there's been a time, and someone can correct us. But you know, Lebby is his, his offense is fairly straightforward. Um, they love matchups. Whenever there's a matchup they like, they exploit it. They love to throw the ball deep. They love to throw. Uh, a lot of like RPO slant style routes, which are end up kind of being body positioning routes where size helps. Uh, I I think I think the 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 added length in that position group is by design, not just so happened to uh, to play out that way. I think the the taller, lengthier wide receivers is is something that that he's uh, he's actively pursuing. It seems that way, and you know, if you if you take a look at what Levy's first priorities were upon taking the gig as Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, the first two dudes he went after were dudes that quite obviously were about to decommit from Florida because of the change in the coaching staff there. Jaden Gibson, as well as Nick Evers, the four-star quarterback. And if there were any questions regarding Jeff Levy's ability to recruit or the new staff's ability to recruit, as a whole, those were very quickly settled because within 72 hours of receiving the offer from Oklahoma, Nick Evers and Jaden Gibson had both taken their official visits to campus and had committed. So those were two huge gets late in the class for Oklahoma. Another guy that they got late in the cycle that I really, really like and has the potential to be a big-time player is R. Mason Thomas, the four-star edge rusher out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Summer enrollee, so we haven't gotten the chance to see him in a practice environment or in a game environment at all yet. But that is a guy where if you look at his high school tape, he plays with his hair on fire. And there mm -hmm. is a little bit of Nick Benito and a little bit of Eric Stryker in his tape. But that that aside, Jaden Gibson is big, 
physically <laughs> as well as as far as his presence in this offense because just by virtue of his stature alone, he's a guy that's probably going to see the field in 2022. At the very least, he's somebody that you plug in in a first and goal situation from the seven or eight yard line where, you know what, even if you're not going to throw the goal line fade and put up a jump ball for a guy like that, you at least want to make the defense account for the possibility that you do something like that. So I can definitely see Jaden Gibson working his way into a situational role in this offense in 2022, particularly in the red zone. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I think it's uh, – I think the, the offense is going to be so fun. At its simplest form, what they would like to do is run the ball nonstop – force the defense to have to commit guys leaving uh leaving some of those tall wide receivers in in really good matchups on the outside and throw the fade ball and let them go uh go over the top of some smaller corners and uh, use some speed and and throw the ball down the field i mean in simplest form that's what they're trying to do um he wants to score from far is what levy always says so yeah, I, I'm excited about it. That's going to, man, it's a competitive group. And just kind of like I said, I think it was yesterday we talked about it. Um, I, don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not dead set on saying Mims is going to be the leading receiver next year. Right. That's where I would put, I'd give him the highest percentage right now, but. I think there's I think there's plenty of guys that have the potential to take that spot, you know, with, with some tenure and obviously some great skill set. He's probably the most likely, but man, would not shock me at all if any number of guys uh, kind of fell into that spot and ended up as the number one wide receiver. Man. <laughs> We start talking about sizable wide receivers, and now the Air Comfort Solutions text line is full of Trey Matoir jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, another texter brought up something and actually asked for some clarification uh, about something that Oklahoma is on the precipice of doing, and it would be unprecedented. It has never happened before in the history of collegiate athletics. No school has ever won a softball national championship and a baseball national championship in the same year. The closest anybody has come is in 2010 when UCLA won a softball title and ended up losing to South Carolina in the championship series of the Men's College World Series in what was the final year that the CWS was played at Rosenblatt Stadium. So if the Sooners go all the way here in the next couple of weeks, that would be literally unprecedented over the long and decorated history of collegiate athletics. Nobody has been able to double dip with the Diamond Sports and take home two titles in the same year. Wow. Yeah, that would be that would be something. That would be something. That would be incredibly impressive. And uh, separated only by a handful of weeks. And what what's cool about like the college world the women's college world series and now um baseball is those teams get such a a, a long 
the exposure you get whenever there's not a whole heck of a lot else going on, and I say that I know the NBA Finals is is happening right now, the NHL Finals are happening right now, the U.S. Open's happening right now, but whenever whenever they're going to be like really putting that thing uh, together and the final teams are, are wrapping it up, like the exposure you get in in kind of prime time plastered all over the place is is really big time. Football gets that. No no other sport gets anything close to that, right? Basketball, it all kind of happens so quickly, and um, like there's such a large focus of of the tournament that it's hard to really dial in on anyone until the final four, but. I, the way that these super regionals and regionals and now the World Series kind of all play out, you're you're in the limelight for a long time. Seriously, and I mean that we talk about how OU baseball needs this in particular, and look, they've already vastly exceeded expectations for the 2022 season by virtue of just getting to Omaha. Heck, even getting to a regional was more than a lot of folks expected that the OU baseball program was going to accomplish in 2022. If they were to win a national title, and you consider all the money that's already being poured into OU athletics as a whole in the aftermath of Lincoln Riley's departure, you think about how much buy-in there has been from everybody who has the power, financial or otherwise, to enhance the overall athletic experience at the University of Oklahoma. If Skip Johnson's boys take home a title and can pull off what would be the first double dip in the history of diamond sports and collegiate athletics history, baseball and softball titles in the same year, at that point, I think you have the opportunity to make your baseball program a perennial powerhouse because you know, right, there's already some money set aside for facility upgrades in favor of OU baseball, how much more is going to be set aside if you bring a national title back home to Norman, Oklahoma? Mm, big time. That would be awesome. Yeah, man, how wild is that to be picked? I Think of the comparison in football to have a team – pick to finish sixth in their conference go win a national championship yeah it'd be like kansas state doing it in football right yeah maybe worse i think i'd pick them higher than sixth uh here's the joke it'd be like texas going and winning a national championship <laughs> in football hey right yeah Got him. i it I, it's it's crazy is I've never have, have I have we talked about your thoughts on the expanded playoff? Are you a expanded playoff guy, or do you like it at four? I, I I'll say this much: I am content with it at four. I would be okay with expanding it to eight. I do not want to see it expand any further beyond eight. Eight is my cap. Yeah. Okay. All right. What's your theory on that? Too watered down at 12? Yeah, at that point, it really is too watered down because at that point, and I know it's the same point that everybody cites in this conversation, so I'm, I don't want to 
just regurgitate something that's already been said before, but you have to make the regular season mean something. And you look at the top 12 teams in college football last year, for instance, pick any year. Right, do you seriously believe that there's ever going to be a year where the number 10, 11, 12 team in the nation makes a run to a national title? It's not going to happen. The cream of the crop in this sport generally on an annual basis is four, maybe five teams. Sometimes it's less. Hmm. Sometimes it's two or three. And so I'm not convinced that you would get results that were any different if you're playing with a 12-team playoff than you would with an 18 playoff. To me, an 18 playoff allows for a little bit of chaos and it allows for teams that otherwise wouldn't get a chance to swing with the heavy hitters. It would allow the likes of a Houston, for instance, say they go 11 and 1 or 12 and 0 out of the AAC, they get a chance to prove what they're really made of and go toe to toe with Alabama. But I'm not convinced that you wouldn't see Alabama, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson in the national championship any less frequently with 12 teams in the playoff than you would with four teams in the playoff. Yeah. I, I think there's some truth to that. But let me ask you this. Because the, the comment, you want the regular season to mean something. Yes. And I agree. But who does the regular season mean something to right now? Isn't it the same teams? And hasn't the playoff really made not just the regular season, but even the postseason irrelevant for everyone except for the whoever the final four teams are? And it's okay, usually... So. The same group. So you're going to hear my way out there take right now. And, yes, I do think having a college football playoff system naturally was going to de-emphasize the importance of every other bowl game. And so, yes, mm -hmm. that dynamic does exist. What I've always said is, look, if you just want to overhaul this thing and you want to create a system where there will be no controversy, and I understand that this is on the outskirts of being logistically possible, Make a 64-team playoff. Just essentially play March Madness in the sport of football. Yeah. Well, um, I don't. I think 64 is maybe too much. Um, I, I picked a random year. Uh, I picked 2016. Okay. And the final rankings are like. I would love a 12-team playoff with these 12 teams, um, aside from maybe one. Clemson, Alabama, USC, Washington, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Penn State, Florida State, Wisconsin, Mich Michigan, Oklahoma State, Stanford. Here, here's the thing, man. I, I hate that some teams – are going to be able to win their conference and they're going to be rewarded with a a bowl game that used to be meaningful but no longer is. I, maybe it's old school, maybe it's uh, maybe it's dumb, but I feel like if you win your conference, 
you should be able to play in a meaningful postseason game, tournament, whatever you want to call it. And the bowl system has been, in my opinion, um, rendered useless and worthless. Uh, any of the elite guys are no longer playing in bowl games. Yep. You know, if they're not in the, the playoff, they're gone. I, I don't know how they're still selling sponsorships, frankly. <laughs> I, if I'm not in, if like if I'm the Sugar Bowl and or the Cotton Bowl, and I'm not in the semifinal, and I see what like Florida did in in uh, 21 and what some of these other other schools the, the players have done, I'm not I'm not forking over millions of dollars for a sponsorship for a game that. The top players aren't going to play in, so no one's going to watch. Not happening. Yeah, well, and, and nobody cares about, literally no one cares about, like, the GoDaddy.com Bowl or the New Orleans Bowl no. or the Belk Bowl. No one cares. Nope. Don't care at all. Don't watch. Don't attend. The only people that attend bowl games these days, other than semifinal games, are uh, the players' families. And... and there's an exception for some of like the the night like the sugar bowls and stuff like that. You're going to get some fan bases that show up for a, for a vacation and to watch it. You know, like kind of depending on the team that's there. If you're a team that makes the semifinal often and then you don't, you're probably not going to have a, a large following show up for another bowl game. But teams that rarely make big bowl games and they go, well, yeah, maybe that fan base is going to show up, but. I don't know. I say either if you win your conference, you should be able to play in something meaningful, or they need to change the classification system of college football. Like the way Div- Division One, there should not be 130 teams in Division One, and why there is, I have no idea. I think it's one of the dumbest things that this entire country has to offer. It's ridiculous. The difference between like Division One, like it gives it gives the impression that like if you're in the same division, like my son is, he's seven and he plays in coach pitch. Well, that coach pitch division gives the impression that these kids are not capable of uh, pitching themselves. This is kind of the skill set that they're at. This is the division you play in. Division one indicates that you're. This is the top tier. You your program is in a position to compete at the top level. That's what Division one is. That's not what it is. It's like a. a I don't even know how to classify it. The difference between the top programs and the bottom programs in Division one is a mockery of football. A mockery. Yeah. That's. <laughs> I'm just. I'm. I'm just processing. That because I, I. I agree with you. You're spot on. There don't need to be 130 teams all competing at the same level because there can't be 130 te- 130 teams all competing at the same level. Somebody on the text line said, "Number 64 versus Bama is relevant." You're kidding me. 
and look, again, at the end of the day, you're probably going to get the same four or five teams with at the end of the day with that type of tournament atmosphere and setting than you would in any other college football playoff system. But what I'm getting at with the 64-team method is that it ensures that everybody is engaged. You're not getting any opt-outs. Everybody knows their game means something because hope springs eternal, and even if you're the number 64 seed, guess what? You have a fair shake at playing for a national title. So, Well, yeah. The, I'll throw that statement right back at the texter and say, is Stony Brook versus Duke in the NCAA tournament relevant? It is if Stony Brook wins, which All right, you know we what I'm see saying? those things I, every year. Right. I guess a one seed has lost to a 16 seed. Has it ever happened? Zero times? Uh, once. Or once. One U- time. UMBC. It, it's happened one time in what's the – how long have they been doing the current 64 team? I don't know, 40 years or something like that? Yeah. Um, it's happened one time in 40 years. So should we eliminate uh, the 64 team playoff because the 16 seed has never beat the one seed or has one time? No. We, we shouldn't. Um, and, again, I'm not advocating for a 64-team uh, playoff. I'm advocating that they either change the way the divisions are broken up or at least expand it to where everyone has an opportunity to play for a championship. It's the only sport in the world at any level that you can go – theoretically undefeated in the same division and not even get a chance to play for a championship mm-hmm. not not even not a chance not even a, a close to an opportunity not even be in the discussion it's, it's it's weird but you know things rarely change in college football and i'm happy with the current system yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I don't, I don't necessarily have a, a big issue with it, but I would like to see it expand. And the biggest reason I'd like to see it expand, Parker, is I think if you could ever play home playoff games on campus sites, it would be oh boy the single greatest thing that ever happened to college football. Oh boy, that would be must see TV, and Lord knows those stands would be packed. Yeah, I mean, yep. if college football is looking out for its bottom line, that's what I'm doing if I'm sitting in those no NCAA doubt. offices. Yep. All right, late for a timeout. Quick break. More from The Rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. This hour of The Rush is brought to you by Riverwind Casino. Casino and hotel, over 2,700 electronic games, 30 game tables, a 24-7 poker room, and the best in concerts and comedy. Riverwind Casino, just south of Norman on Highway 9 and I-35. Oh boy, the Air Comfort Solutions text line is riled up here on The Rush. Everybody's weighing in with their college football playoff alignment thoughts. One listener says, spare me, you have zero chance in football. As a low seed, hoops is a five-man team game. Apples and oranges. Now here, I agree. That's why I say change the division structure. Yes. Here's what I do want to add in defense of that point, though. Is have you, the listener, and I don't know who I'm addressing here, but whoever sent that text, you familiar with the Flutie effect? 
The Flutie effect is a name given to the phenomenon that Boston College experienced in the aftermath of Doug Flutie's Hail Mary to beat right. Miami, was it? Did they beat Miami yeah. in that game? Yep. Yeah, so uh, Boston College saw a huge surge in enrollment, in student enrollment, in the aftermath of that victory. So the Flutie effect is an enrollment surge spurred by sudden exposure or sudden athletic success for a particular athletic program. So what you have to understand is it's not just about football for a lot of these universities. Take a look at St. Peter's this past year. Nobody had even heard of St. Peter's until they became the first 15 seed in the history of March Madness to make a run to the Elite Eight. That helps a university's bottom line, not just an athletic department's bottom line, but a university's bottom line. You cannot quantify the impact that that has for university in terms of free advertising, in terms of that enrollment surge, and in terms of ability to recruit. And so you know what? You don't necessarily have to have much of a chance if you're the 64 seed in a college football playoff scenario that looks like that and you're going up against Alabama. Guess what? All it takes sometimes is one game, one moment, and it can have a massive ripple effect for the rest of your university. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the, the point is the, is the same, though. Like, if you if you agree that, you know, in a 64-team playoff, the 16th seed would have zero chance against the one seed, well, then then basically what I'm saying is they need to change the the classification. But the other side is, and I think the argument was, well, in, in football, they have no chance. In basketball, they have no chance. It's happened one time in 40-plus years, <laughs> right? So I, that doesn't qualify as a chance, I don't think. But I don't know. I'm not naive to the fact that it's never going to change. And the the big boys have such a firm grasp and lobby on everything that's going to happen that I, I it's – it's in the top team's benefit to keep the structure as is because the small handful of teams get to really share in the wealth. Uh, the conferences are okay because they've split the conferences to where the money gets divided within the conferences for those big teams. But like the players, the recruiting, that type of stuff is not split within the conference, right? So. Yeah. Everyone's happy because now we'll let Alabama win it every year because as as uh, Kentucky or as Vanderbilt we get that massive sixty five million dollar payout right we're we're okay with that we're fine with it they're gonna keep getting all the recruits but we get a big bunch of money that that keeps keeps us satiated so that's why it's never gonna change um, and. Uh- <laughs> Frankly, I'm okay if it never changes because I happen to be covering one of the halves and not the have-nots. There's 10 halves and there's 120 have-nots. Yeah, that's very, very true. <laughs> and that texter that I initially quoted at the beginning of this segment followed up and said, I am a traditionalist. I was 15 years old, 20 rows up in the north end zone. 
when Notre Dame scored to beat OU 7-0. So I'm a 78-year-old grouch. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> things have gotten better. I can't imagine, uh, like, whenever I played, they had just kind of started the – than the finally having a an agreed upon national championship game, it's it's crazy. Can you um, think about this, dude? Parker, we had a sport that went on for I don't know nearly eighty years and didn't have a championship game when or a playoff when every other sport in the same like in college did. Yeah, college football has always been behind the curve. How in the world is that possible? It's crazy. It's amazing. Uh, It's it's amazing. I don't know how it happened, but uh, Oklahoma was a beneficiary of it, so uh, I'm I'm happy with it. Um, Yeah, wild. All right, and like you were saying, it behooves the teams that are at the top of the food chain to keep the structure as is because they know where they're going to be every year. Yeah, that's right. All right, quick time out. More from The Rush coming up. couple of segments left. Stay tuned. This hour of The Rush is brought to you by Riverwind Casino. Casino and hotel, over 2,700 electronic games, 30 game tables, a 24-7 poker room, and the best in concerts and comedy. Riverwind Casino, just south of Norman on Highway 9 and I-35. Back on the rush, winding down. Final hour on this Thursday. Parker Thune here in studio. Teddy Lehman out at Newcastle Casino. We are mere hours away from the Sooners opening up College World Series play against Texas A&M at Charles Schwab Field up in Omaha. Quick reminder to all of you who are just tuning in on your drive for this final hour We are going to be up in Omaha with your Friday Rush tomorrow, myself and Travis Davidson, from the Session Room on 10th Street, one block west of Charles Schwab Field, 2 to 6 p.m. So if you are up in Omaha, come swing by, say hi. Uh, I imagine the OU game will be wrapping up before we get off air. So as you're making the triumphant or downtrodden trek out of Charles Schwab, come by the Session Room. And see us. That is where we will be for your Friday rush, myself and Travis Davidson. You guys going to be post-game partying somewhere after the show? Uh, That's a great question. I don't know. Again, it kind of depends on whether OU wins or not, doesn't it? Because post-game party, you got to have a reason to go party post-game. So the Sooners win? Yeah, probably. If not... Who knows? It might be more of a subdued evening. Right. Yeah. So what What exactly – we know what you're doing Friday. Uh, going to be hanging out the session room. What's the plan for the rest of the weekend? Yeah, so the rest of the weekend will be spent – and honestly, a lot depends on how Oklahoma fares in the College World right. Series. One thing I can tell you all is that I will be in Omaha as long as the Sooners are there. So – whether they get bounced in two games and are headed home by Sunday evening or whether they go all the way to the championship series and are still in action a week and a half later. 
Uh, I will be there to cover all of it, and I will be live from Omaha for Steely and Thune at noon, as well as locked in with Tyler McComas for as long as the Sooners are in action. If they win Friday, well, regardless of whether they win or lose Friday, they will be in action again on Sunday. Uh, from there, it all kind of depends on how the dominoes fall. But with as well as this team has swing the bats and as dominant as these pitchers have been, particularly Kate Horton and Trevin Michael as of late, the Sooners have as good a chance as anybody in this field to make a deep run. The one team you do kind of worry about on their half of the bracket is Notre Dame, who obviously just knocked off the number one seed Tennessee Volunteers in the Knoxville Regional to get to Omaha. So if there is a team that is hotter than Oklahoma heading to Omaha, it's probably Notre Dame. Yeah, no, um, I agree. Are you going to use uh, this opportunity in Nebraska to stop by and maybe get some video of Cade McIntyre, athlete, 6'4", 205, out of Archbis uh, Archbishop Bergen, uh, committed to the Sooners on the 13th of June? Yes, I have actually already made plans to that effect. I'm going to rendezvous with Cade, meet up with him, uh, talk through his decision because obviously I got the chance to discuss it with him briefly over the phone the day that he committed, but I think it would be good for good opportunity for him to go in detail about his commitment and what led him to shut it down in favor of Oklahoma. I do know this. Oddly enough, for a Nebraska kid, he comes from a long line of Sooner fans. So I imagine that played a pretty significant part in the decision. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Good stuff. Yeah, I guess uh, the offer just came in like just a couple of weeks ago, yeah, right? Yeah, late May. It's it happened very quickly. So about an hour after he got the offer, he finalized plans to take an official visit June 8th through the 10th and was committed three days later. So, yeah, Sooner staff worked quick with that one. There you go. Um, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, oh, now, here's something interesting. Okay. I'm checking out Cade McIntyre's timeline uh, on his – 24-7 profile. Yes. Um, May 29th, Sooners offer Cade McIntyre. June 8th, Cade McIntyre officially visits Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, June 10th, Cade McIntyre officially visits Iowa Hawkeyes, which you talked about. And then Cade McIntyre commits to the Oklahoma Sooners on June 13th. Now, it says on there that he's got uh, official visits set to Minnesota and to Kansas State. Is he still taking those visits, or is he canceling those trips per uh, Coach Venable's philosophy? Yeah, so those visits are not happening. I probably should go in and pull those off his profile if that's what it says because, uh, no. the Yeah, you better, or Venable's <laughs> might check that out and yank his offer. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for that. But, no, those visits to Kansas State and Minnesota will not happen. Uh, his recruitment is 100% shut down. And so, yes, those – I in fact, I'm doing that right now. I'm going to his profile, and I am removing those visits from the equation. Very cool. Um, good stuff. It's going to be fun up there. Uh, gosh, I can't wait for tomorrow. 
going to be awesome. Um, and uh, I'll be interested to see what it's like whenever you guys get on site and uh, and listen to the show and see if there's a lot of Sooner fans there uh, in the area. Uh, session room. What'd you say? A mile west of the stadium? Is a that blo- right? A block west. Block. Block west of the stadium. Very much within gonna, walking distance. Yep, going to be cool. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. We'll come back and wrap things up next. Make the right call for OU coverage in the Sooner State. Lock it on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Your home for Sooner fans. Back to wrap it up. Here on this Thursday, it is the Rush, Parker Thune, Teddy Lehman. All right, Teddy, we're not going to hear you again on the airwaves until Monday. So, got to lock in your prediction right now. The Sooners play tomorrow against Texas A&M in Game 1 at the College World Series. They will play again on Sunday, win or lose, against the Aggies. So, what is your prediction for how the weekend unfolds up in Omaha? Uh, Oklahoma beats A&M. Uh, it's going to be – they're going to jump out to a, a decent lead. As I told you, they score their fourth run in the third inning on a pass ball. Um, they're going to jump out to a lead. A&M is going to answer over the middle innings, and they're going to take a lead 6-4. Oklahoma, in the final two innings, bounces back, secures the win, and uh, has a uh, has a two-run victory, 8-6 over Texas A&M. Then, after Notre Dame beats Texas, uh, actually... Do you want hmm. OU Texas? Is that why you're rethinking this? Is because you want to see OU Texas at the CWS? No. No, 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 no. I want... OU Notre Dame, so we can watch A&M in Texas squirm that they have to play one another. <laughs> play right? one another for the right to stay in the field. Right. That That is going to be hilarious. They may opt out of that game and, uh, and beg someone else to play it. Um, no, I think, uh, I think Notre Dame wins, and I think we're going to have a showdown with Notre Dame. And, ah. That's that's going to be that that's second a, that's a game. Tough draw. That's going to be really tough. Really, no matter who it is, um, uh, Notre Dame. I think don't they have like a super deep pitching staff? Yeah, uh, that's a scary team. I'll take uh, I'll take Oklahoma to beat Notre Dame in a lower scoring game. Oh come uh, on! Four three Oklahoma. Uh, great defense. And uh, small ball, moving around, running bases, uh, able to get just enough wins, uh, runs to win the game. So I'm saying two victories, man. There we go. Boom. Hopefully it happens. All right. Uh, safe travels up there, man. Have fun. Uh, Parker's going to be on tomorrow with Travis. They're going to be from uh, the session room up there in Omaha. That's it for me. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs>